if you have a meditation practice for example uh, there is a way to breathe before a meditation practice in order to accelerate your ability to get into that meditative state welcome to the high performance health podcast with your host angela foster the show where we talk about everything you need to break through limits and achieve a high performance mind body and lifestyle Welcome to another episode of the High Performance Health Podcast. I'm your host, Angela Foster, and today I'm joined by Richie Bostock, also known as the Breath Guy. Richie is a leading figure and evangelist for breathwork, the next revolution in health and wellness. He's a breathwork coach, author, and influential speaker. In fact, just arrived is his brand new book, Exhale, which I'm holding here in my hands. Um, It teaches you how to use breathwork to find calm, supercharge your health, and perform at your best. Richie's mission is to spread the life-changing possibilities of breathwork to the world. Having worn many hats from a corporate management consultant to a digital entrepreneur, Richie eventually discovered breathwork, which was a catalyst for a life-changing journey that completely shifted his own perspective and beliefs on the potential for human beings. Richie spent years traveling across five continents, learning from many of the modern masters of breathwork. He continuously witnessed the transformative effects of when people became aware of their breathing and started to use it as a tool to create physical, mental and emotional benefits. This free medicine is available to everyone and it's Richie's mission to remind the world how to breathe with purpose. And in this podcast episode, we take a deep dive into just that. I think you're going to learn a lot and really enjoy it. If you do enjoy this episode, please tag me on Instagram, share it on your story, connect with me in my DMs. I absolutely love hearing from you guys. And if you feel so minded, please leave a positive review on iTunes or whatever platform provider you're listening on, as it just really helps me to get the message of this podcast out further. So without further ado, let me introduce you now to Richie. So I am super excited to have you here today, Richie. I've waited a few months for this because you kind of, uh, I think we had a podcast scheduled initially and then you disappeared off into the wilderness, which um, I'm very jealous of for about about six weeks. So welcome to the High Performance Health Podcast. It's an absolute pleasure to have you here today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me and thank you for being accommodating as I uh, disappeared off the face of the planet for yeah, nearly a couple of months. <laughs> it looks it looks amazing. I mean, I, sh- I saw that you shared a few kind of posts since you got back, um, but we can talk about that in a bit. Let's just kind of kick off with how you became the breath guy. How did you get into breath work initially? Yeah, well, you know, there aren't many uh, people coming out of high school who think, you know what, I'm going to teach people how to breathe for a living. Uh, it wasn't my first uh, job. I actually started my professional career in management consulting. So working in one of the big consulting firms uh, for six years, I left that and moved into the world of digital entrepreneurship and did tech startups. Uh, so I learned how to code and was building apps and um, web apps. And it was around that transition time that my, uh, my dad was diagnosed with MS. And so for those of you who don't know what MS is, it's called multiple sclerosis and it's an autoimmune disease. And like all autoimmune issues, unfortunately, there isn't a magic pill that you can just take and it disappears. It's something that quite often people have to deal with for a lifetime. So it was really uh, quite a shock to the family. 
And so I was researching ways to be able to help him, whether it's lifestyle changes, nutritional changes, alternative therapies, whatever, um, to see if there was something that could help dad. And I, uh, it was through that that I came across this man by the name of Wim Hof. He is also known as the Iceman. Uh, he's pretty well known these days and probably to your listeners more so. But just in case you haven't heard of the Iceman, um, he's this uh, amazing and crazy Dutch guy. And uh, he's called the Iceman because he has 20-something world records all related to cold exposure. So things like swimming under ice for the longest distance. He nearly summited Everest wearing shorts and nothing else. Yeah, absolutely crazy man. Um, but through his training and through his experiences, he developed this technique, which he eventually called the Wim Hof Method, which is uh, a combination of cold exposure and breathing techniques. And it's great for everyone's health and well-being. Um, but specifically, and this is why it caught my attention, it seems to be very useful for people who have autoimmune issues. So I ended up traveling to Poland and spent a week in this tiny little village uh, in the middle of winter and did all, did all the crazy stuff that Wim does. We're hiking in the snow, barefoot in our shorts, uh, swimming in the ice lakes. We climbed the tallest mountain in Poland, minus 19 degrees at the top, which again, just in shorts and uh, you know, did a lot of breath work. And that was, you know, the cold stuff sounds crazy and amazing, but for me, really, it was the breath work that absolutely blew me away. Um, but to, uh, to, to cut a long story short, I came back home, shared uh, the work with my dad. So he now does his breathing every day, cold showers every day, changes diet as well, which is very important for any autoimmune issue. And um, the progression of his MS completely stopped in his tracks. Amazing. So, yeah, it was, it was absolutely brilliant. And, you know, for me as well, seeing what, what it was doing for my dad and then continuing to go deeper with breath work, just mainly through like Wim's practices, which was really the first type of breath work I ever came across, really just made me start to think, wow, I can't believe like you can have these experiences and feel these things just through breath work. Uh, I wonder if there's something else out there as well. Are there other people doing things with the breath? And thank God for Google, I started to Google and see what was out there. And as it turns out, there are a whole lot of people using the breath in all sorts of different ways. And uh, so that started about three and a half years of travel for me all over the world, learning from different breathwork masters, uh, yogis, um, counselors, psychologists, uh, physiotherapists, um, doctors, athletic coaches, and anyone who was doing something interesting with breathing. Um, and yeah, now this is what I teach. You know, I work with a lot of different people for a whole host of different reasons, but the central pillar is always the breath. Yeah. And so have you over the time, as you've kind of moved on and traveled the world, you've kind of put it into your own technique. Have you sort of taken lots of different ideas and created your own model? Cause I know you host a lot of live classes, both online and previously in person before we had kind of the restrictions, which I think you're now going back to. Um, yeah. And they're super popular. I remember trying to get on one and it was like literally, so it went live and I was like, I want to go on this. And then it was sold out. Um, so is it, what, how do you incorporate your own, what's your own form of breath work now that you teach? Well, you know, I'm, I have one of those personalities when, when, when I find something that I find really interesting and really captures my attention, I just dive headfirst into it and almost become a little bit obsessed with it, you know? And so 
that's why I, I wanted to try and understand the breath from all angles. So, you know, do, so Wim Hof method was my very first, um, like kind of inroad into it, but then going into learning about the real, um, the deeper science and physiology of how breathing affects us and day to day and how to use the breath in the moment to, um, help you to uh, alter your state, whether it's if you're feeling stressed, helping to relax, or if you're feeling tired to help to create energy, to how have the ancient civilizations used breath, whether it was the yogis with their pranayama or Chinese medical breathing through things like qigong, even the Sufis have a breathing technique or South American shamans. How did they use breath to uh, athletic coaches? How do people who are specializing in physical performance teach people how to use their breath in different ways to singers how do how do singing teachers teach breath work and how do they use the breath to be able to support the voice and take pressure off both vocal cords when you have these incredible artists who are singing every single day uh giving you know two hour long performances 300 days of the year um to uh how do phys how do um physiolo physiologists um breath uh, therapists so people who are using breath as a form of therapy how did they use the breath to be able to help people work through trauma or to be able to work through emotional issues so i really just wanted to understand what are all the different lenses in which you can look at this one central thing called the breath and so if you ask like what is my technique i mean i don't think i have one um i guess what you could say is i have an understanding of what the breath does from a lot of different angles and based off what it is that I want to achieve with a person or with a group of people, I'll create some sort of framework routine or structure around how to use the breath alongside a few other things as well. Um, but how can we use the breath to be able to best serve that, that uh, end goal or to get to that end goal? Um, so yeah, you know, I've had people come ask me, it's like, you know, what's the name of your technique or, you know, what's your school? And I'm like, I, I guess I don't really have one yet. Maybe, maybe I will one day. I don't know. But, uh, but right now it's really just applying and understanding. That's all I can say. Yeah. And taking, I guess, taking the end result you want, as you said, and then applying it to that. So maybe we can dive into a couple of those now in terms of those scenarios. Yeah. So let's talk. I've, I've done quite a bit of Wim Hof style breathing in the morning. And I definitely noticed that your breath holds can get longer. I actually quite enjoy. I know that Wim talks, as you say, he's the crazy Iceman. He talks about getting high on your own supply. That's all I remember mm -hmm. um, every time. My kids remember that as well. And um, <laughs> <laughs> it's quite fun. Uh, but you definitely notice that. So as a, let's start with using breath work in the morning as something mm. that you can use to maybe set yourself up for the day. Because a lot of people kind of snooze the alarm clock, drag themselves out of bed, and then they're just straight into stress mode from the off because they're checking social media or emails. And actually, I like to kind of start my day with something different, whether that's meditation or breath work, to kind of change gear and also frame the day. Um, what would you use in that scenario for someone who's maybe got 10, 15 minutes that they can spend in the morning to sort of optimize their day? You know, even if you don't have 10 to 15 minutes, one very simple thing you can do uh, is kind of goes off the back of what you said. And you're so right. You know, so many of us go straight from horizontal in bed to standing up, rushing off, 
making breakfast, making the coffee, jumping on um, to social media, jumping onto emails, or sometimes doing that in bed, right? Trying to, mm. you know, and, and spending the first 15 um, minutes of the day just looking at emails or social. Um, you know, one thing that we need to be very wary of and understand is that, you know, when you're asleep, uh, your systems, they can't, they slow down and downregulate a little bit. They go into almost kind of like a, a night mode where things kind of just start to operate a little bit slower than they usually would. And then if you jump straight out of bed or straight into a lot of mental stimulus coming into coming in, um, you can actually shock the system a little bit and can instantly spike you into some sort of uh, stress response. So taking even just one minute or even two minutes if you can to slowly wake yourself up and using the breath as a great way to do it can be really, really useful in just easing into your day. So what I really like to do as soon as I wake up is simply take 10 deep breaths, but do it very mindfully and focus. I, I call it big, uh, big breath surfing, where you think about breathing into your belly, so filling up your belly, filling up your mid ribs and your, your lower ribs and your mid ribs, and then coming up into the chest to take a complete giant big breath and then relaxing out. So think about filling yourself up from the bottom to the top. So nice, long, slow inhale all the way up and then just sighing out through the mouth. Um, and do that five to 10 So like times. a kind of physical letting go at that point. Like when I observed you doing that, that's, I love that filling up, but then you kind of almost just, just let it go. Yeah, just letting go, sighing it out. You know, when you sigh, generally you're not really putting much energy into an exhale. All that you're really doing is just relaxing all the muscles that brought the air in in the first place. But because you've taken such a big inhale, because a sigh, and when, when people think of sighing, they think about the, the exhale and sometimes maybe the sound that goes with it, right? Like the, ah, that's a sigh. And actually, a sigh really is defined as, as, in, as an inhale that is twice as big as usual, at least. Because what you do when you sigh is you take a deep breath in and then you just relax. Ah. Mm. <sighs> And it falls out of you. So yeah, big inhale in, filling yourself up from the bottom to the top, sighing out. Really good way just to kind of start to wake up the system. Now, when you talk about um, maybe something you can do first thing in the morning, 10, 15 minutes if you have it. So doing something like Wim Hof method is a really, really good one. You know, it's, um, it's a, a great way to start off the day in terms of warming up and, and um, stimulating your cardiovascular system, your nervous system. Um, and it will certainly make you like Wim talks about getting high off your own supply. It'll start you off in the right day. You're going to go off into your day feeling really, really good. Um, and if there was one, you know, just a bit of advice around morning routines, I think that's a really, really good one. Um, it really depends on what it is that you're wanting to move into first thing in the morning. You know, if you have a meditation practice, for example, uh, there is a way to breathe before a meditation practice in order to accelerate your ability to get into that meditative state. Mm, um, so think of it kind of like a speed ramp into your meditation practice so that you, rather than spending the first five, 10 minutes, just getting comfortable fidgeting, being like, don't think, don't think, don't think, don't think you can breathe in a certain way and you can, and as soon as you relax and go into your meditation, you'll already be there. Oh, um, wow. And how can you do that? That sounds like a, a very it's, cool hack because I, I have a fidgety mind. So sometimes I am kind of like, focus, focus, focus. 
So um, have you done a session with me before? Did you manage to join in on one of those lives before? I didn't get, I tried to get on one actually on one of the evening ones. And uh, I yeah. think it was during sure. COVID actually. <laughs> yeah, but also my internet one. Ah, uh, yeah. so, so I teach this thing called bow breathing. And okay. it's, um, it's my name for a style of breath that's actually really used in lots of different styles of breath work. Um, but really all it is, is a deep breath in, relaxed exhale out. Exhale always through the mouth. The inhale can be through the no nose or the mouth, depending on what you feel like. Um, but the idea is that it's kind of like this slightly deeper, slightly faster breath. Um, where you are actively inhaling, filling up your lungs by at least 80%, and on the exhale, just relaxing, kind of like the sigh, just letting go. It's that feeling of surrender, dropping down. So it's a podcast, so I can't really demonstrate. It wouldn't make much sense. But, like, um, but it's a deep breath in, relaxed exhale out, um, and repeating this breath over and over for about three to five minutes. So, you know, in my, if... Um, Oh, this is quite rhythmic, isn't it, in, in its style then? I've seen yeah. this with, with women, as you say, and also with, um, have you come across Soma Breath? Nirosh, of course, yeah, Naya, with Mirage, Nirosh, yeah. yeah, he teaches a very similar one, and it's quite, um, and to music, actually. But that rhythmic breathing is actually very relaxing, isn't it? Well, this is what's really interesting. And again, it depends what it is and what exactly each person is teaching. Like, because this is the thing. The breath is so, um, each lever of the breath is so delicate and can actually completely transform a, a, an experience. So whether you're breathing with force, whether you're just letting it happen, whether you're breathing fast or breathing slow, um, whether it's an active breath or a passive breath, um, the, the volume of the breath, all these things actually has a slightly different, um, has a slightly different effect. Now, the way the bow breathing and the way that I'm, I'm teaching it here uh, is actually a stimulating breath. So it's not when in terms of what's happening in the body physiologically, it's closer to, to creating a mild stress response than it is going into any sort of relaxation parasympathetic response. Um, but what's really interesting because we've actually done some measuring on this using things like HRV and another thing called uh, CVD technology, cardiovagal tone technology, uh, which basically measures the activity in something called your vagus nerve. And this vagus, the higher the activity in the vagus nerve, the, um, it's, it's an indicator of how much more in your relaxation response you are in. And what we noticed is that when you pair a stimulating form of breath and then follow it up with either a relaxing form of breath or something like a meditation practice, it swings you far deeper into your relaxation response after doing a stimulating form of breath. So the way I kind of explain it is think of it kind of like a pendulum where if you are bringing your nervous system one way into a stress response and then all of a sudden you just let it go, it swings further the other way into the relaxation response. And this is why you may notice as well, if you do something like Wim Hof method, each time that you do uh, a round of his deep breathing and then breath holding and then deep breathing and breath holding, you start to become a little, each time you become a little bit more blissed out, a little bit more yes. um, relaxed, a little bit more just like, oh, oh, here we go into slightly different states of consciousness. This is the shifting of your nervous system going backwards and forwards between stimulation and, act and um, relaxation. 
Wim's form of breath work is very stimulating, you know? Yeah, uh, I you- think what I meant though, is it's very stimulating, but what I meant, relaxation is probably not the right word because you're right, it wasn't, it's not calming, but it is get it, it gets you out of your head quite quickly. So a little bit like if you go on a ski holiday, being in the mountains, you almost relax faster than say, trying to lie on a beach. It's, it's stimulating, but it gets you out of your head faster was what I kind of meant there. Yeah, it brings you into presence mm, uh, yeah. because because something is happening inside of you and you really have to pay attention. It brings your awareness from anything that could be happening in the future or happening in the past into your body and into the here and now, uh, which is what's so amazing about any form of breath work, even beyond uh, you know any other any other potential benefit. Just using it as an anchor to presence is incredible. Yeah, it is. It's a very, um, so that, so that you would do for kind of how many rounds would you do ideally before then transitioning into something like meditation? Oh, so yeah. So back to that practice. So the meditate, so the uh, bow breathing, so maybe I'll, I'll, I'll just, I'll even demonstrate, even if people can only hear it. Yeah, because we can share a clip actually of you sharing it as well. But I think you can hear it just to get a pace. So it'll go something like this. So you'll see it's quite a fast pace, but it is rhythmical and it is quite um, connected and nonstop. So breathing a little deeper than normal, a little faster than normal, doing that for three to five minutes. And then just on the last breath, exhale, relax, and then go into your meditation practice. And what you'll find is you'll be straight in. It only takes three to five minutes. It's very useful. That's very useful. I'm going to be Mm. trying that before my meditation tomorrow morning. Mm. I love that one. Great. Um, And what about then, so let's say you're kind of now in the thick of your day and it's stressful at work. You're feeling the pressure of competing demands. Lots of people um, in this sort of semi, not really lockdown, is it? But less people going in the office. The lines are a bit blurred. Some people are in and they're just super busy. So you've got all this stuff going on. And actually you, you think, I can access and use my breath to calm myself to gain greater clarity and more flow because I think we can be busy and actually we lose productivity. What would be the breathing technique that you could use there? So what's um, really amazing about, especially when we talk about these on the spot breathing techniques is that everyone's relationship to their breath is very personal. So what I recommend is, you know, whenever anyone shares a breathing technique, try it for yourself and see how it makes you feel. Um, if for example, someone says, here's this box breathing technique that's supposed to really help you to relax your nerves. And then you do box breathing and it makes you feel more anxious. It doesn't mean you're broken. <laughs> it doesn't mean that you're wrong, or that you're, you're doing something wrong. Everyone's relationship is to their breath is very different. Okay. Um, so I'll, I'll give you a couple of different ideas on things that you can play with. Um, generally though, when we talk about relaxation, uh, down regulating your nervous system, coming into a place of flow, like you said, uh, we'll usually use some form of, uh, slower breathing. So if you general rule of thumb is that if you want to stimulate the body, breathe faster. If you want to relax the body, breathe slower. So there's lots of different ways that you can breathe slow. And you can play with all the different aspects of the breath. How long the inhale is, how long the exhale is. Is there any pausing in between inhales and exhales? Do you breathe through your mouth? Do you breathe through your nose? 
lots of different things to play with. So let me give you something to start with to try. And if you like it, fantastic. If not, I'll give you another one anyway. Um, so one that is so, so simple and so easy to get started with is something called coherence breathing, which is through the nose, six seconds in, six seconds out, which is very slow, actually. And for many people, it'll be a real struggle. And what will most people will do, especially if they're brand new to really paying attention to their breath and actually trying to do something with it, is that they'll breathe in until about four seconds and then realize that their lungs are completely full and they can't breathe in anymore. So then they just kind of wait for the final two seconds and then they'll exhale for, and again, exhale way too quickly, get to four seconds and then have to wait for two seconds before they inhale again. Why this breath works is because of the gentle, slow nature of the breath. So if you find yourself getting to four seconds or five seconds and having to pause to get to the end of the six seconds, learn to really become more delicate and ration your breath. This is almost where like the mindful aspect starts to come in and where you start to train yourself to be able to kind of take things real nice and slow and gentle. Um, and then same thing with the exhale, really focusing on just um, making it simple, like soft, gentle, delicate. And don't inhale all the way in. Don't exhale all the way out. Let's say if, you're, if, you're, um, if your lungs were completely empty, we give it a rating of one. If your lungs are completely full, we give it a rating of 10. You want to be operating somewhere between this usually two to eight or nine kind of area. You don't want to be overexerting yourself when we do these kinds of breath, uh, breath techniques. So that's super simple. Six seconds so in, six seconds out. if someone's gone too out. far on that analogy then, and they've kind of done four, they've already taken too full a breath anyway, haven't they? Because they've reached the end. They've kind of exactly. gone to 10. And then effectively, they're introducing a breath hold that shouldn't be there because we're just trying to get the rhythm. Yeah, exactly. You're spot on. Um, and when you... And when you inhale all the way as much as you can or exhale all the way as much as you can you're really just introducing more tension into your body than what's needed because you're really you know you're squeezing it's like you're reaching the absolute um end of your range of motion when it comes to inhaling and exhaling which is not something that you really need to do when you're trying to relax you're not trying to push your limits you're just trying to make it easy and, and um, gentle on yourself and your systems so so you're exactly right um, and just one more that you can try, just in case that one doesn't feel so good for you. Uh, something I call 5 p.m. breathing. Uh, I call it 5 p.m. breathing because it stands for five breaths per minute. But actually, the reason why it's called that is because 5 p.m. is the time that most of us, at least I used to back in the day, you know, is when you, the time when you knock off work, go to the pub, have a pint, let your hair down, right? It's when you get to have some fun. So <laughs> 5 p.m. breathing looks something like this. Um, you inhale for four seconds, all through the nose again, by the way. Inhale for four, exhale for six seconds, and then hold for two. So in for four, out for six, hold for two. In for four, out for six, hold for two. So we are extending the exhale, and the extension of the exhale has been shown to, uh, again, increase that simulation and that vagus nerve we were talking about before. Um, and that pause is actually a very natural thing to do at the end. A natural breath should be an inhale and exhale and then a pause before the next breath. That's, how, that's a, what our normal breathing would be at rest. So we're really just introducing more of what is natural into this breathing technique, um, but at the same time, just extending that exhale a little bit more. 
So two techniques for you there, coherent breathing yeah, great and uh, 5 p.m. breathing. And that, I mean, that fight, both are slow, aren't they? Because I think, um, I don't know if you wear, but I work, often wear my aura ring. I just, it's mm. charging at the moment and I track it at night. And actually, I see that my breaths per minute are, are much higher than that. So if over time you practice that, can you get your breathing rate down on a consistent basis so that you are having less breaths per minute? I guess it depends. Um you know, like, we, so both of those techniques are five breaths per minute. Now, there are very, very, very few people in the world who will have their natural breathing rate to be five breaths per minute. And actually, most of the people that do, it has nothing to do with their physical health. It's all to do with their, their um, being constantly in a meditative state. So we're talking people like Shaolin monks, for example. Mm -hmm. These are usually the people that have something like that. Um, a healthy breath range is usually somewhere between nine to 12 breaths per minute. Most people will be somewhere between 12 and 16. Mm. Some people will be above 20. And usually yeah. if you're above 20, that's when we start to look at things like chronic hyperventilation. Um, and some people have these kinds of breathing pattern disorders. Um, but most people will be somewhere between that 12 to 16 kind of range, which is totally fine. You know, but if you can get it to closer to ten, that's 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 ideal. And how? And would you? Would it be through that consistent practice that you would be able to get it lower? And what kind of would you use, or is it a combination of techniques and just that focusing on the breath so much more? It will certainly help because you're going to start to uh, allow your system to get used to that kind of rhythm of breathing and allow it to become comfortable. However. You know, the way that we breathe is a reflection of how we're feeling in, at the end of the day. And if you are constantly stressed, it doesn't matter if you do a breathing technique for two to three minutes to help you in that moment. At some point within an hour, two hours, three hours, if you're in the same environment going to the same patterns of thinking and feeling, your breathing is going to reflect that again anyway. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like you need to start to get closer to the roots of what it is that's causing you to feel these things, whether it's your environment or if it's the meaning that you attach to your environment, is it stuff that you're holding onto from your past? Is it um, the way that you're talking to yourself? These are the, at the end of the, when people have breathing pattern disorders, this is really the things that you need to work on. It actually becomes much more like a form of uh, counseling or therapy uh, to, to uh, get to those things. And once you really, work on those things either through talk therapy, somatic um, therapies, breath work. Uh, the breath just changes by itself. Interesting. Yeah, because I guess it's the underlying physiology, isn't it, and that mental component that's controlling it because at that point you're not aware of the way you're breathing. It's on a completely subconscious level. There are certainly ways to be able to retrain your breath. Like you can, without even necessarily going there, there are lots of different things that you can do. Um, for example, many people have um, a lot of uh, muscle tension and inflexibility through their thoracic spine and through their rib cage, all these kinds of areas that actually can also really hamper your breathing. Um, mm. So learning to be able to uh, bring in more flexibility and looseness into that area is very useful. You can retrain the muscles because breathing is a behavior, right? So if you practice um, using certain muscles to breathe, then you, that's, you know, you're definitely increasing your chances 
of those muscles being used unconsciously because you're creating that, that muscle memory for it to happen. But at the same time, the number one thing if, 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 that I when especially when I work with people, uh, that will make the biggest difference to people's breath is if they have some issue with their breath in the first place, there's always an emotional element to it. And working and trying to understand and integrate that emotional element uh, for me is the number one thing you can do. You can do all the other things and it works, but if you really want to like make the biggest progression and the most, um, yeah, the most progress quickly, it's always the emotional side. Yeah, I bet. And is that something that you work with um, your clients with as well on the emotional side? You know, I, when I, especially when I work one-to-one with people, I would say probably 80 to 90% of people I see will come in saying, I'm just stressed all the time and this is just what's going on and I just need a way to be able to relax. So they come in thinking that they just want to learn how to relax when, and then they leave going, oh, actually there's something more. Um, and usually we manage to clear that up, most of that up in the session already because you know, one of the most exciting potentials for me for breath work is how incredible it can be used as a form of therapy and mm-hmm. how quickly you can uh, realize, become aware of, and then integrate various emotional aspects of ourselves that might not be serving us. Um, and, you know, you can do things within one session. You know, I've had people who have been able to clear PTSD that they've had in, for 10 years in one session. Um, Amazing. Even not. I had one lady um, come at a festival of all places. So we're not even doing very deep styles of breath. It's, it's kind of that middle ground. Um, and she comes to me afterwards and it was clear that she's been crying her eyes out. It was a group of about 500 people. So I can't see everybody at the time, but, but she comes up and she said, um, you know, I, uh, six weeks ago, um, I had a miscarriage. And since, but since then, I have been just, you know, going through the, 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 tra- the trauma and the processing of the emotion of everything that goes along with that, you know, very uh, tough experience. Um, and it was through this breath session that for the first time, she felt like she was actually able to let go of everything, all of the um, self-criticism, all of the guilt, all of these things that she was feeling, and to actually come to peace with it. And she's like, I don't understand how that happened, but I, right now I feel 20 times lighter than I did before. Um, so, so it's really, mm. really powerful stuff. And that's one of the things I'm most excited about for, for the uh, potentials of where uh, breathwork can be of service in this world. Yeah, for sure. And do you look at like talking about blockages and things like that? Do you look at kind of the energy chakras with people and kind of unblocking any of those the flow of yeah. energy effectively, or do you find that the breath work actually starts to rebalance the system? You don't necessarily, it's a funny old thing because you don't necessarily need to be an energy worker to work, do, do those styles of deep styles of breath work. Yet breath work is energy work, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Um, so you don't have to have a knowledge of the energy system, whether it's chakras, whether it's, um, the Chinese idea of meridians and, um, but it, but at the end of the day, you are affecting these things. And when you start to put it all together, you take the chakra system, you take the, uh, the energy pathways and you put it together with breath work. You actually see how the two are interrelated and how you can see blockages in people's various energy centers by looking at their breath. 
you know, for example, a lot of people might not be, um, would have a lot of tension and the breath doesn't actually access the lower parts of their abdomen. And by that, I mean, you don't see any movement in that part of the abdomen. So straight away, we can see, oh, there is something going on there with those energy centers and the relevant um, emotional challenges that are related to those parts of the body. So it's in, in, in breath work, you can do like a form of analysis and see based off a person who's breathing, you can tell a lot about what's going on. And there are various interventions that you can do around that as well. Interesting. Yeah, because I guess people really upper chest breathe, don't they, when they're stressed as well? It's all kind of very up here. Um, and yeah. not full belly breathing. So that's a so that's that's more a traditional understanding of physiology, right? When when we are stressed, we incorporate secondary breathing muscles in our chest, in our um, neck, and in our shoulders that are designed to be used when we are in our fight or flight response to help us to breathe faster. Because at the end of the day, our fight or flight response uh, is designed to prime our bodies for action, to be able to run and to be able to fight, and to be able to do these two things, we need to ventilate quicker just like when we're exercising mm. to increase the amount of oxygen and ventilate out carbon dioxide um, so these guys kick in and it's a great system it works very well the problem is when people are chronically stressed and the body learns and remembers how to breathe this way all the time and that's not useful because these muscles aren't designed to be used all the time only for short spurts mm. so it's like you're using uh, these sprinter muscles to run a ultra marathon and it doesn't make yeah, much sense make you know sense. and that's why you see people go like this and start rubbing their necks and shoulders oh i have all this pain and tightness oh gosh you know um it's because of how they're breathing um yeah, yeah. interesting and um let's talk about something you shared recently on instagram i was experimenting with i thought this was this was fun and very intuitive so it was about using your breath as a way of accessing your intuition. And so you took people through how you say your name, which is obviously the truth, right? Because it is your name. And then you take a deep breath in and out and see how that feels. Or I believe it was deep breath. You can correct me here mm -hmm. if I'm remembering it wrongly. And then you say a completely different name and see how that feels and recognize the difference between when something is the truth for you and when it isn't. I might not be summarizing this terribly well, but that's I what I remember. You did really well. Um, yeah, but that's basically it. You know, the, the breath is so intimately linked to our nervous system. And, you know, science might not fully understand this now, but our nervous system is so intimately linked into, we could call it an inner wisdom, we could call it an intuition, we could call it whatever it is that you like, your unconscious, that really knows the truth, even if you consciously don't know. So this, this phenomenon has been used in things like kinesiology where they do muscle testing to be able to almost access the unconscious mind and ask questions, but you can also do it using the breath. So what it is basically is um, taking a nice long, slow inhale through the nose, relax, exhale through the mouth, kind of like a sigh, similar kind of thing. Excuse me, sorry. Um, and when you do this, you first start by asking yourself, Oh, saying a statement that is obviously true. So you can say, my name is Richie. Take a nice long inhale in. And this is the important part. This is where you have to really pay attention to how it feels to breathe. So you're really paying attention to the ease, the flow. Um, is there any tension? Is there any blockages? 
Where do I feel it in my body? And relax out. And then you say an obviously false statement. So I could easily say, my name is John. And then do the exact same thing, really paying attention to what it feels like to breathe in this way. And what you will find is that there is very subtle differences in how it feels between the yes breath and the no breath. And you can practice. You can go back and forth, back and forth. You really have to say, say the statement though, like physically out loud, say it, um, say the yes statement, do the breath, say the no statement, do the breath, then try different statements. They still have to be obviously true, or obviously false. Um, but you can start going backwards and forwards and start practicing and knowing what does the yes breath feel like? And what does the no breath feel like? And I know before we were comparing what our no breaths feel like. Mm. And for me, I feel a constriction through my throat so that as I'm inhaling, it feels harder and more tense to inhale um, than the yes breath. But yours was slightly different, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. For me, I just felt a kind of tightness, I guess, in my heart space, in my chest, mm. because it just felt like this is wrong. It felt uncomfortable. Uh, and it's, exactly. Yeah, so we're all really different. It's everyone's personal. So we just, you just need to find what it is for you. Um, and then once you have it, then you can start to use it as a tool. So if you have a question for yourself, um, go, okay, let's, let's start with an easy one. You're not sure if you're, if this rela a relationship that you're in is good for you or not. So you could say something like, um, I am happy in this relationship and then do the breath and tell you if it's a yes breath or a no breath. You know, I should go into this business relationship with this person, breathe in yes or no. Um, because, you know, our intuition, our unconscious mind is so much more powerful than our conscious mind and picks up so much more and reads into the energies of everything so much deeper than we can consciously and rationally understand that, you know, whatever way we can access that to gain some sort of wisdom or some sort of answer is very, very useful. So it's a really good one to, and I, you know, I use that every day just about. It's a really good one. And it, it, it struck me then, actually, when you were talking about it, you could actually use that as well in a kind of self-sabotaging situation, couldn't you? When you're doing something that you kind of inherently know you shouldn't do, whether that is, I don't know, an easy example, um, having like food that you think you shouldn't be eating, for example. It's unhealthy for you. And you, before you actually do it, you could almost check in, I guess, that way with your subconscious to say, I feel great. I'm going to go and eat this and enjoy it. You probably would then get a message. Actually, this just really doesn't feel right rather than eating it very quickly. And after the event going, God, I wish I hadn't done that. It doesn't lie. And I can tell you the amount of times where I've done the breath and the answer I got was not what I wanted to get, but I was just like, yeah, I'm just, this, this, but what is my breath? No, who cares? You know, and ignore it, it and do anyway. it anyway. <laughs> ignore it and do it anyway. And after being like, damn it, you know, I could have saved myself time, money, or energy. Um, yeah, it's happened a lot. Uh, yeah, I haven't found a time when my breath was wrong yet. But it has to be things like that, you know, personal questions for you. You can't be like, what is the going to be the lottery number that I need to pick? You know, like, you can't use it. For, it's, it's not, not, it's not some ball. sort of crystal ball. No, <laughs> but it's just asking yourself questions that you are trying to understand for yourself, you know? Yeah, that's very powerful. And so um, just want to talk before you go a little bit, because you mentioned at the beginning about the, obviously the breath was the really powerful thing when you spent time with Wim, but you did do a lot of cold exposure 
Is that something that you're still incorporating as part of your practice on a, on a daily or weekly basis? For my practice, yes. Um, I mean, basically just cold showers every morning. And that's, that's it for me right now. Um, you know, when it's easier to get access to cold water, um, I'll always be able to, I always jump in whenever there's an opportunity. Um, you know, here in London, we can go to like the, the pond somewhere and have a quick jump in the middle of winter. Um, I know a lot of people who are really into this work, including a lot of the Wim Hof instructors. Uh, so they'll buy like secondhand uh, chest freezers, mm. so like the ones that are horizontal, and then just line it with some sort of waterproofing or tarpaulin or something like that. Fill it up and then fill it up with water. So before um, they go to bed, they switch it on. And then when I wake up in the morning, switch it off, open it up. And usually there'll just be like a thin layer of ice on the top. You just break the ice, jump in, and you have a fantastic ice bath. Um, so ready that's made. ready made. Yeah. But of course you can buy ice and these kinds of things. Um, but, do you uh, proceed but yeah. it with your breath work? When you do your cold shower or something like that cold ex- exposure, do you do the kind of rhythmic breathing and invigorating to sort of warm the body first? Uh, usually that's what people will do in Wim Hof method. For example, they'll encourage you to do the breathing first and then do the cold shower. Um, but for myself these days, what I'm doing is my morning, my morning routine is a little bit less of that deeper style of breathing. Um, it's a more of a focus on meditation right now. So I used to do that all the time, deep, deep breathing. Um, but right now, uh, I wake up. I do that big breath surfing, so 10 of those nice big breaths while still in bed. Jump out of bed, jump in the cold shower, come back out, sit down, do three to five minutes of that rhythmical bow breathing before I go into a meditation practice. Um, Oh, interesting. So you do the cold shower before the meditation? Yeah, and that seems seems, uh, counterproductive in the sense that it would make more sense to roll straight out. And I wake up at like four thirty, five o'clock in the morning as well. So usually that's like you're in perfect kind yeah. of theta brainwave state. You really should just jump straight into a meditation, right? I, I just have this habit of whenever I get out of bed, the first thing I want to do is get in the shower. It's, I think, guess it's just something I've done my entire life. I've yeah. just always, first thing that I always do is jump in the shower. So it's just personal to me. I bet that wakes um, you up pretty fast, <laughs> straight oh, into the cold shower. I love, I, do you know what I love doing is, I don't know if you can see the sauna behind me. Oh, I great. love meditating in my sauna Oof. and then jumping in the cold shower. Oh, that is absolutely Amazing. beautiful. I, I lived in Hong Kong for three years and um, uh, the building I was in had like this great uh, um, sauna downstairs and then it also had a cold plunge randomly. Oh, wow. I know, it was very, I couldn't believe it. So almost every day I was doing hot, cold immersions. So jumping in the heat and then jumping in the cold and jumping in the heat, at least do three rounds backwards and forwards. Um, yeah, it was what a blessing. Uh, but uh, I'm just got a little flat in London these days. Don't even have space to buy a cold freezer to pop in my balcony, you know. So one day, though, I'm going to have a sauna, I'm going to have cryo, I'm going to have all of it in my home. <laughs> yeah, totally. It'd be amazing. So, yeah. so you do the 10 breaths, but these are these, just to clarify on those, because I'm going to try yeah. these in bed. These yeah. ones, you're not going, are you doing the same rule where you kind of only go up to about eight? So you're not fully out breathing, not fully in breathing. You're just kind of following the breath and mindfully breathing. Think about going from up to nine 
inhaling to nine, exhaling to two. So you're not going to your absolute limits, but you're filling yourself up quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Because what I'm, what I'm trying to do when I do this is create this wave pattern. So if this is me lying down where my head is here and my, my feet are here, is I want to kind of start to create a wave where my belly rises first, my chest rises, and then my upper clavicle area rises as well. So in, in yoga, they call it, uh, it, it's simply a yogic breath or a full yogic breath where they say you have three parts to breathe into. You have your, your lower, middle, and upper. So you're basically filling yourself up. Each one, each one of these parts in progression. So starting low, starting middle, starting high. It takes a bit of coordination actually, because that's not how we breathe naturally. Mm. You know, our diaphragm is in our midsection, right at the bottom of our ribs, which initiates the breath. So really, our breath starts kind of in our middle section, and it moves down and it moves up. Um, but this is a slightly different technique. Interesting. And then you jump in the cold shower. Then you do your kind of a few minutes of more rhythmic breathing with the sigh and then the meditation. What meditation do you, this sounds like an awesome morning routine. What meditation do you follow? Is this just your own private stillness or is it guided? Um, It's private, but it's, well, it actually changes. It's not always the same one. There's a lot of different techniques that I like to use and it kind of depends on what I feel like doing. Um, So sometimes it will be like an energy center meditation um, where I'm focusing on sending loving awareness to the, each energy center and slowly make our way up the body. Um, and then once I finish that, then I usually leave myself open to meditative inquiry, which isn't that you're, you're not focusing on trying to do anything necessarily. You're just leaving yourself open to any experience that might come through. Um, sometimes I like to do what's called uh, divergent meditations, where you place your awareness not on a specific area, like in the energy center meditations, but you uh, send your awareness outside of you. So you try and feel into the empty space around you in the room, then further oh, yeah. out and into the atmosphere, and then further out into space, and you just send your awareness further and further and further out and expand yourself, feeling the expansiveness of the universe. Um, I really I've done a bit it. of that. I like that. And then I've done some as well where Dr. Joe Dispenza, I think, does it, where he gets you to feel the space within your body, so like yeah. between your ears and then the space outside. So, so these, are, these are like Dr. Joe meditations, the energy center meditations, mm. um, the expansiveness meditations. Um, but one thing I always do at the end, whichever one that I do, is I always finish with um, – a combination of a gratitude meditation and then a visualization of how I want to show up in the day and what I want in my life. So it's really priming, um, priming myself for what it is, what, what a beautiful day would look like for my, myself and then feeling grateful for that. So yeah, combination. I'm also playing around a lot with, um, cause I, I don't have a set routine. My, I have a time that's always carved out. So, for ex- so I usually wake up around 4.30 and 5. I don't have anything in my diary un- until 10 a.m. So the first five hours of my day is always me, and I get to do whatever it is that nice. I want to do. So that will usually include some form of exercise, like the breath work and meditation, journaling, uh, reading a book, something like that. But, um, but I'm actually working a lot at the moment with Tantra, and... I think a lot of people, when they think about Tantra, they automatically go to, oh, it's like the like sex practice. 
That's one part of Tantra. But the other part of Tantra is, particularly in the schools like Kula Tantra, is more around just working with that Kundalini Shakti energy and, and learning how to cultivate that in the body. Um, and that's really through meditation, uh, through chanting, through certain kriyas. Uh, and uh, so that's something that I'm doing a lot in the mornings as well. And that's a lot of fun. Yeah, I bet. Very cool. Um, and 4.30 in the morning, is this a time you just naturally wake up or do you set an alarm because you want to experience that um, effect that you get when kind of the melatonin still there, isn't it? It hasn't been fully shut off. Is it to kind of access that deeper layer or? Yeah, it's, uh, well, I've, I'm, I'm naturally an early bird. So okay. which always didn't used to be the case. I used to hate the mornings. Um, <laughs> I don't know if it's a side effect of breath work or I don't know, but I could say it kind of correlated, you know, a few couple of years after I started doing breath work where just naturally I started to enjoy waking up earlier and earlier and earlier. Um, and what I find is that really my favorite part of the day is really, really early in the morning. There's something just about the energy at that time it's of magical, day that is just magical. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I do set an alarm for 4.30, but even if I don't set an alarm, uh, usually I'm waking up anytime between 5 and 6 anyway, um, naturally, yeah. provided I'm going to bed the usual times that I would go. Um, so when so, would you go to bed for that? Because I'm the same as you. I'm not at 4.30, but I'll always be awake between 5 and 6. Yeah. Um, but when do you uh, – and I, I enjoy it. I feel, I feel kind of cheated if I haven't had my time. So if it has ever, you know, I've traveled or something and I'm out of sync and then the world is up, I kind of feel like, yeah, that, that magical moment that you can have when everyone else sees it is amazing. What time do you go to bed? I'll try to be in bed around 10, 10.30. That's my goal, yeah. Usually, and that's usually the case. What I, I'll, I, I try and make it so that my wind down time starts around maybe 9.30 so that I don't really have anything to do after 9.30. Um, of course, if you have like social functions and stuff like that, that can throw things all out of whack. Um, but, but if it's just a usual kind of day-to-day -day routine, I, um, I start to kind of wind things down, you know, clean up the kitchen, kind of get the house tidy, just not be on phones or anything like that. Uh, then start to, you know, have your showers and all that kind of thing. So yeah, usually I'm in bed between 10 and 10.30, which, you know, means I'm getting about six hours sleep. And um, that seems to be working for me right now. Have you noticed then that you sleep less since you, were, you started doing all this breath work? Are you naturally more energized? Sleep less. And I also believe that there is a huge correlation with uh, what you eat and how much you eat and how much sleep you need. Mm -hmm. I think that if you can, I think we have a culture of thinking that we need to eat a lot more than we need to. And this comes a lot from the yogic sciences and the ideas that they have that actually, you know, we, we use so much energy in digestion. So if you, uh, and so if you are only eating what you need rather than overeating, then actually that energy can be used for other things and like replenishing the body. And that kind of goes into your reserve, which means that you might not need as much sleep um, each night. You know, I know there's when most of these amazing yogis will talk about only needing three to four hours sleep a night generally, and they feel, they feel great. You know, the other main part of us that uses most of our energy is our brain. 
And so if you are constantly in a state of stress reaction and you're always wired, then you're using a lot of energy, expending a lot of energy to maintain that state. Um, but if you are able to remain in more of a calm or meditative state throughout the day, then you're actually using less energy in that sense as well. So I think there's a lot of different things that really affect the way that we sleep. Um, I know the prevailing wisdom is at least seven to eight hours for adults is like the minimum that you need for it to be healthy. And, but through just, you know, through my own experience, I'm, experience, I'm seeing that just naturally I can wake up six and a half hours. Usually my sleep cycle means if I wake up around six hours, 15 minutes, 10 to six hours, 10 to six hours, 20 seems to be a good time for me to wake up with my usual kind of sleeping sleep cycles. I haven't, I, I used to be like really into biohacking. Uh, I, I'm not really anymore, so I don't have any devices or anything like it. that. I don't track it, but naturally that's just what seems to feel good for me. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, as you say, you naturally wake up when you've had enough. That's the thing. Yeah, and, uh, exactly. Food, food makes a huge difference. I noticed that if you, I mean, you said to anyone, stop eating three hours before bed and see how you feel and then try having a late night dinner with some wine and see how badly it affects your sleep. I, I, if, you know, if it, again, if it's just my usual routine, I'm having dinner around five o'clock. Okay. That because is early. I, uh, really early and then mm. th there's nothing wrong with going to bed hungry by the no, way no there isn't you're right there is you sometimes sleep better <laughs> absolutely yeah. once you get you have to get over this idea that you like so many people go if i can't sleep when i'm hungry you absolutely can if you just accept that you're hungry and that that's mm -hmm. not a bad thing i but it might take i <laughs> i remember when i first was moving kind of my eating patterns and stuff because i consciously made a decision to do it um, and I would literally sit, lie in bed, looking at Deliveroo and scrolling through all the different options, being like, oh, I want to order something, I'm hungry. Oh, no, taunting yourself. <laughs> uh, taunting myself and then being like, no, can't do it. And, um, but then eventually, you know, you get over that quite quickly. <laughs> yeah, you do. You're absolutely right. I, I had to do it the other day. I had to go out in the evening somewhere. And by the time I got back, it was a choice of eating late or not eating. And I chose to have a herbal tea and not eat. And I felt that I felt completely different the next day. So I had less sleep, no food. And that was just magical. And I say to anyone, if you, if you've passed the window of eating, just don't eat and go to mm -hmm. bed. And one other thing as well is I think a lot of people, um, when, when they feel hungry, they feel like it's time to have a meal. So it's like, it's time to eat. I need to have a meal now. Whereas what I find a lot is if you start to feel hungry, just try like snacking on something real quick, like just whether it's nuts or berries or something like that, just have a few of those and a big glass of water. And you'll find that actually you start to work out what is true hunger and what is psychological. Mm. And if it was true hunger, that, wouldn't, that, that meal wouldn't satiate you. But if, if you just have a few berries and a few nuts and a big glass of water and all of a sudden you're not hungry, there might be something else there that's telling you that you need to eat. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Even just old habits. Well, that, yeah. was, um, that was amazing. You've shared so much. I want to talk before you leave because you've got an app, right, that people can actually go in and access this stuff and do breath work with you. I have it on my phone. Um, yeah. And there's a ton of content in there. So yeah. um, share. And I know you've got a book coming out as well. So share. How can people find you, Richie? Yeah. So I have an app called Flourish and 
the app is primarily about giving breathwork experiences. So think of it kind of like a headspace, but it's like the headspace for breathwork. So I'm not really diving into the science behind breathing. It's not really like an educational piece. It's more about I'm just guiding you through breathwork experiences. We have, I think, close to 30 hours now of, of, of breathwork um, experiences on there. And um, so, so that's really amazing. There's plenty, there's, there's a free, plenty of free content, content on there as well. Um, and then I also have a book coming out. And if, for those of you who are like more interested in learning about the science of breathing and the theory and then practically how to use it throughout the day and even how to assess your own breathing and see if you're doing it right and then how to correct it if you're not, um, the book is called Exhale, comes out September 10th, 2020. And um, yeah, it's, it's really, for me, it's, it's, I wanted to write the breathwork book that I wish I had when I first started. Uh, and that answered all the questions that I had that I had to travel all over the world to get the answers for. Um, this is what I hope can be something that is a perfect entry point for people who are trying to learn more about the breath. Um, and even for people who are very experienced with breath work, um, there's bits, there's things there for them as well. So yeah, I'm really excited. It's been a labor of a love, labor of love for a, a few years now as I'm not, naturally not the kind of person to sit in front of a computer and write stuff for a long time. Um, but, uh, I did it <laughs> and I'm very proud of myself and, um, and yeah, so I hope, I hope you guys like it. Uh, my website's thebreathguide.com. Um, so you can find all the information on the app and the book on there. Instagram is the breath guy. It's where I post most of my um, announcements on events, courses, basically anything I'm doing, that's the first point of call. Um, so yeah, that's really where you can find me. Amazing. I will link to all of those places in the show notes um, for the podcast and people can go and find that in the show notes on iTunes or the preferred platform provider or even on my website, AngelaFosterPerformance.com. It will all be there. Um, thank you so much for coming on the show today and sharing all of this. I personally can't wait for the book to come out um, and Easy. get reading it. So thanks again, Richie. Uh, thank you, Angela. Really appreciate it. It's been a fun conversation. We talked about things I didn't think we'd talk about. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> did we? It. it sounds ominous. <laughs> oh no, no, no! I didn't expect to talk about what time I eat. <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love it. So uh, thank you so much. My pleasure. Well, I had a few questions because I did post on my story saying, "Has anyone got any questions?" So there are a few questions that came in there from uh, from listeners who were like, Can "Oh, you great!" Ask so yeah. Oh, I hope it answered. The, I hope it answered for them. Yeah. No, we have. So thanks again. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Remember to review and subscribe. You can grab the show notes, the resources and highlights of everything Angela mentioned over at AngelaFosterPerformance.com. You can also snatch up plenty of other goodies, including the highly helpful Angela Recommends page, which is a list of everything she personally recommends to optimize your mind, body and lifestyle.